Um, this is all about uh, our own direct experience. What is, what is my experience in this moment? Not my thinking about what it should be like, but what is my actual experience letting go of my preconceived notions? Because if you, when, when I offered the instruction in meditation, what is this? We carry all these preconceived notions along with us. And so, oh, that means that, that means that, and that means that. We don't know because we're not giving it a chance. And then when you investigate it, you go, oh, actually, there's something else present. But unless you come in with what they call beginner's mind, you're going um, gonna to maybe miss it because you have this preconceived notion. So kind of what I wanted to talk about this afternoon, I, last week I talked about, nobody was here last week that was that here today, so good. I can just tell you the same stuff I said last week and you would never know the difference, but I won't do that. I don't have those notes with me, so I won't. But I talked about um, groundlessness because a lot of times when people come to this practice, and we all have our fixed ideas about what we want, what we think we should have, what things should be like, what we should be like, what they should be like, what everything. This is this. I'll be happy if this happens. We have, and we have our conditioning based on how we were raised, our family our upbringing, societal conditioning, depending on what you look like, who you love, where you come from, the language you speak, you're treated differently based on any number of those factors. So there's societal conditioning, generational conditioning, um, all kinds of stuff that we don't even realize we've internalized. We have these biases. And when you come to practice, and you really let go of those as much as you can and turn towards what your actual experience is, there can be this sensation of groundlessness because you're losing what the, the, the uh, pillars of your belief sometimes. It's like what you used to believe, oh, isn't really true anymore. I thought I was this way, but I'm not really that way. And so there's this sense of groundlessness um, and the Buddha actually taught how to um, deal with that, to sharpen our mental clarity, our mental awareness, so that we can tune into um, being uh, uh, okay with that, being at ease. And he taught he, he taught a lot of different ways. If you're from, if you've listened to any Dharma talks or done any reading. You know, there's a bunch of different lists, there's a bunch of different things. Because he taught in the vernacular, he taught to the audience, he taught to whoever he was teaching to. So there are all these ways of looking at basically the same thing. The core is the Eightfold Path, but there are all these other, other teachings which take you in the same direction, which is ultimately equanimity and balance, not being knocked over by anything. And one of my favorite teachings is uh, the paramis, the perfections, the, the ten in Theravada, the lineage of the elders. Because if you're not familiar, there are a bunch of different um, um, schools of Buddhist teaching and thought. There's Theravada, which is the goes back to the oldest teachings that they can attribute to the Buddha. That's Theravada. Then there's um, there's uh, Mahayana, which is later. There's there's then a lot of um, uh, schools inside of Mahayana, there's Zen, there's Tibetan, there's all kinds of stuff. So it's not just like one size fits all. And they all have different 
a little bit different flavor on how they see things. So in um, the Theravada tradition, and there are these uh, 10 paramis, which are qualities of the heart. Later traditions, there's only six of them, but I'm Theravada, so I got the 10. And these were not taught by the Buddha. This is not a list that he taught. But people, the, the thinking is that later on, people looked at the Buddha and said, he had all these qualities. He was able to, he, he gained enlightenment, but he didn't really have a teacher. You know, he didn't have a Buddha sitting there teaching him. So they decided that he probably lived multiple lives and he developed these qualities during these lives. And there are all these tales called the Jataka tales, which are about his prior lives. And basically, what did they say he lived? He lived, um, what did he live? He lived a long time. What is it? He spent four incalculables and 100,000 eons. Yeah, it's a long time. It's a long time. That's just a way of saying it took him a while to develop these qualities. And these are the qualities that they say are necessary to become enlightened. You need to have developed these, each of these. And um, when they talk about the paramis, they talk about these are the qualities that are really helpful for householders. And we're what are known as householders. We're not monastics. We haven't ordained, we don't follow that stuff. And so these are the qualities that are actually easier for folks who are not monastic. Because you can you can do these, uh, look at these qualities anytime. Let me tell you what they are instead of you trying to figure out. Generosity, morality or integrity, renunciation, wisdom, energy, patience, truthfulness, resolve, kindness, and equanimity. So these are a path of healing, a path of, path of uh, getting out of struts. They're a way of, um, they're skillful actions in how to be in the world and how we're in relationship with others. What is this great line? It's a template for the mind's energies that are not outside our ordinary awareness. They're not something weird, like patience you can all identify with, generosity you can all identify with. You know, effort you can all identify with. It's it's something you can utilize anytime. Um, so that's why these are really helpful. Um, oh yeah, and some there's a there's a quote, and I think it's Sylvia Borstein. Sylvia Borstein wrote a book on the paramis. What's it called? Pay attention for goodness' sake. And she said that these qualities are the natural inclination of the heart. There's a lot of that in Buddhist teaching, that, that when you get rid of all that conditioning, this is, this is the brightness of the heart that shines through, this generous, kind, wise um, character. And so it talks about when you view life as an opportunity to develop qualities, there is a fruitful attitude toward daily activities, so everything becomes part of the path and practice. There's not this distinction between here's my meditation and here's the rest of my life. If I'm trying to develop these qualities, I can do them throughout my daily life. And there's this fruitful attitude. It's like, how can I show up today in a wise and skillful way? Same as the Eightfold Path. It's like, how do I show up? I set my intention. Everything I meet, I should gauge based on my intention to be kind and loving and let go of what doesn't serve. 
So let me just go through these and see if any of these land with you and, and how they, um, how they uh, uh, show up in, in, in your world. Or, and and what I, what's important about these, I'll just take a step back before I get into that, what's important about these is to recognize that um, not, we're not all cookie cutters. And so one of you might struggle with generosity, somebody else struggles with patience, somebody else struggles with this, but you got that one down. So we're all different because we've all had, you know, our bazillions of lives to work on. So we're now just working on this, but it's just a metaphor for it takes a long time. And um, so some of these may land differently than others. So, and they're not, a, they're not, none of these things, none of the teachings of the Buddha are commandments. Thou shalt do this or thou shalt not do this. It's just like, you know what, you might want to investigate this because this is a really skillful way to live. It's a skillful way to live that does not cause harm to you or others. And we recognize that it's, it's, it's you know, I'm not enlightened, so I still fall off and hurt people and cause havoc. But I'm a hell of a lot further along than I used to be. So that's kind of where we go. So the first one um, is generosity, which is always, is in, traditionally is taught as one of the first teachings that you receive. Because the Buddha said the second noble truth, the first noble truth is there is suffering. But there's this extra level of suffering we cause ourselves by holding on to things, by wanting everything to be far out and groovy all the time. And if we cling, we suffer. So what's the antidote of clinging? Letting go. How do you cultivate letting go? Generosity. And it's not even financial generosity, which is where people's minds go, well, I don't have any money, how can I do that? Will you take a friend to the airport? That's an academic. Will you talk to someone who's having a rough time? Will you, you know, answer the phone when you see their name on your, answer it when you see their name on your phone? Because you know they need, a, they need somebody. That's an act of generosity. You know, the time you, you said you volunteer at the shelter. That's an act of generosity. Those types of things are letting go. And it begins to open us up when we're not so tight and so constricted. Pema Chodron says we cling because we have a feeling of inadequacy. And we need to hold on to whatever it is in order to be okay. You know, I have to have this if I don't have this. That's why, you know, that, that Marie Kondo tidying thing can be so difficult for people. Because how can we let go? And we're a culture of stuff. We are a culture of stuff. You know, the old saying, he who dies with the most toys wins. Stuff, stuff. Stuff will make us happy. George Carlin had a line. What was his, he had a routine about stuff. He said, got a lot of stuff? Get a bigger place. Got a bigger place? Get more stuff. You know, so it's this never-ending cycle of more, more, more. So to put the brakes on, you have to let go. Put the brakes on, you have to let go. So... Um, you know, Pema Chodron also says the transformation from clinging to letting go begins as soon as we give away what we think we can't. If we can give something away that we think we can't, that begins the cycle of generosity, of letting go of the antidote to clinging. So, 
The second parami is morality, which is a which can be a loaded term. Um, it's also called virtue. I like integrity. It's living in a way that doesn't cause harm. It's very it's expounded upon in the uh, Eightfold Path in the in the second section of the Eightfold Path, which is um, integrity. It's living wise action, wise speech, um, not causing harm, not taking what's not offered, not intentionally taking a life. But it's also cultivation of compassion. It's living in a way that doesn't cause um, harm because you don't do damage to others, but you don't do damage to yourself. There's psychic um, ramifications if you're walking around causing harm, if you're lying and cheating and stealing. There, it's um, sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and go, oh, and then you you stuff it down and you do what it takes not to feel. There's a lot of people out there causing a lot of harm right now. A lot of people causing a lot of harm, you know. And um, I don't think they're living with a lot of integrity. And 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 you know, it's like we get into this place of I don't see them being punished. It's like can't worry about that. How do you show up in the world? How do you show up? It's so, it's again, a really, uh, one, of the, one of the earliest teachings, um, the, the teachings you get, sila, um, living with um, virtu virtuous living or living with integrity is really important because if you are blame-free or blameless, it's a lot easier to meditate. It's a lot easier to turn towards your experience than if you're constantly dealing with the harm that you've caused. I mean, we have to deal with the harm we've caused. We have to take accountability. But if you're continuing it, then it's really difficult to connect with these teachings because you're constantly getting it in your face, and at which point you're just like, fuck it, I'm out of here. This stuff doesn't work. I'm out of here. This is nonsense. So. Um, and when we when we when we live with integrity, we make it safe for people to be around us. How amazing would that be? How amazing would it be to feel safe around everyone you met? And you know how good it feels to just be able to just be with someone. Hopefully, you all have that that experience that you could just be totally open and vulnerable with at least one other person. How good that feels. How nice is that to be? that person for someone else, to be able to give that gift, to know someone is safe around you, to create a safe container for someone else. Really important. It's freedom. It's absolute freedom. Next one is another dirty word, renunciation. How does that sound when I say that? Everybody like that word? Renunciation. Are you doing something because you didn't do it right the first time? Not quite, but renunciation is, is, is like letting something go because it doesn't serve. A lot of people think of, like if you think of Lent, you have to give up something. So renunciation means giving up. And so people, again, it has this, this uh, aura of just don't do it and you'll be a better person. And you suffer through it. It has a flavor of martyrdom. You know, ugh, I'm only doing this because I'm, I have to do it. You know, Lent, I'm only doing, I'm only giving this up because I have to do it. And I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's not what it's about. 
Renunciation is a practice of letting go of what causes suffering. And you become willing to let go because you see if you don't let go, how much suffering there is from it. You know, but what happens is we get into this fear of what happens if I let go of this thing? You know, relationships, letting go of relationships with, you know, that don't work. Um, who will I be if I, you know, if I, I'm so afraid of letting go of this relationship or this job because no one else will ever hire me or no one else will ever want to be with me. So we stay in uh, situations. We do, we have behaviors that we continue that are harming us because we're full of fear of letting go. Whereas this asks us to shift how we see it and say, you know, if you let go, you will suffer less. If you let go, you will suffer less. So there has to be a, get to a point where the pain of holding on is then greater than the pain of letting go. And eventually what happens, you see, you begin to shift your perception and see, oh, you know what, this causes me suffering and I'm really getting used to not suffering. Not that there's not this, the pain of being, you know, having the human condition, but this extra level of crap we lay on ourselves. And it's like, I'm more willing to let this stuff go. Much more willing to let this stuff go. Um, yeah, what is it? Tom Jeff, there's a monk down in San Diego, and he said, renunciation is making intelligent choices. And we have the wisdom to see the suffering or peace the various choices bring and choose wisely. You know, you get to that crossroad and you, you say, you know, if I go in this direction, this is what's going to happen. If I go in that direction, that's what's going to happen. One thing I didn't say at the beginning is wisdom, which is one of the paramis. In fact, it's the next one. It, it's, it's, it's coupled with all of these. Seeing clearly. So when you, have, when you practice renunciation, you see clearly the difference in the choice. You go, oh, this will bring this. You can choose to do the one that causes harm. Eyes wide open. But you, you have your eyes wide open. All right, I'm going down this road. I know, I know where it's going to end, but I'm not willing to go down that road yet. And yeah, I've been in that situation many times. But it's like, oh, you know what? That causes, you get to, hopefully you get to a place saying, I'm not willing to, for the consequences. I'm not willing to take on the consequences. So wisdom runs through all these paramis. We see clearly what generosity brings versus what clinging brings. We're, we see the suffering, the dukkha, the, the stress, the discomfort, that clinging and craving brings. Exactly. Boundaries. Um, yeah, it does hurt. And I think to acknowledge the pain, acknowledge the pain. And there's a, when in the practice of equanimity, some of the, the, um, the phrases around equanimity are things like you hold that person in your mind, in your heart, and you go, your happiness depends on your actions, not on my wishes for you. So you have to recognize that, that they have their own lives. You know, and you want to get out of the codependence and just get into the, yeah, I want everything for you and I can't do it. You have to do it. 
that's tough. That's that's grown up shit. So, but that's part of this. That's that. There's wisdom because equanimity is one of these pyramids. There's wisdom in that seeing clearly, letting go of your attachment to their happiness. Right. The outcome. The outcome. Expectation. Yeah, it's hard. And so just go recognize that what you do is tend to yourself with compassion too, going, this is really painful. There's grief, there's sadness, there's loss, there's all those things. And, and say, yeah, of course, why wouldn't there be? And to be compassionate towards yourself and for the other person, but also for you. It's, it's really difficult, but to see the wisdom in all these things that there is impermanence, there is suffering. You know, and there's this deep conditioning that we have that causes us to behave and act and respond in various ways and the healing that needs to happen. So, and then the next one is energy, which is really um, making the effort, seeing when your mind is taking over, what thoughts are, are not beneficial. When you get lost in that, that create, it's gotta be this way, this has gotta be the, when you get caught up in the outcome, and your law, or you get caught up in the I'm such a piece of shit. Whatever your story is, because we all have stories, wherever you go, talking about the Bronx, when I recognize when I am in my head and I'm plotting to cash in my 401k and move to the Bronx, because no one will find me, you might find me, but <laughs> no one will find me in the Bronx. When I'm in that state of mind, I have to, I have to stop and go, okay, what? am I not interested in looking at right now? So you have to recognize, again, clearly see that's not wise thought, that's not skillful, that's not beneficial, let it go. Just like, put the brakes on, let it go. And cultivate wise thought, oh, what is this? What's underneath? What fear is there? What is going on? And recognize when there are wholesome thoughts and cultivate those. Oh, staying with the difficulty of the moment, the fear that's there, whatever is present, the anger, the sadness, whatever is present, can you be with it? So that wisdom, you know, that, that energy, that um, effort to make that happen is, is part of this. Then there's the other good one that's one of everyone's favorite, patience. Especially if you, you're all in LA, if you've ever driven here, you know that patience is involved. If you've ever stood online anywhere, patience is involved. And it's very easy to be, go out the door. Um, there's a teacher up north. Oh, it, what is it? he says, um, well, I, I know patience, well, patience is needed. Patience is not needed when things are going on. So if you're in a place where you need patience, you have to recognize that things are not going the way you want them to go. Gil Fronsdell is his teacher up north. He says, he suggests we reframe the situation. If there is impatience, there is resistance to what is. What are we resisting? What are we resisting? I gave a talk on this, or something around this. If there's something, if there's impatience or something coming up, I have to stop and say, what is this? What is this? And I was online the next morning um, at Fry's Electronics Warehouse. And it was Sunday morning, and it was early, so there were only a few cashiers. But, and I was, there weren't a lot of people online, and there was one guy in front of me, but the two people who were at the cashiers were 
taking forever. And I was starting to go, because I had to be somewhere. And then I went, oh, Mary, listen to what you talked about yesterday. What's going on? Okay, you're, I hate, the, I, I didn't want to be late because people were depending on something I was bringing, blah, blah, blah. They'd be angry at me, blah, 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 all the story. And I'm like, okay, just breathe. But the guy in front of me, he went off. He went off and he was yelling and cursing and screaming. These poor people, it's not their fault. They're being a service their job and they finally opened up another cashier, another couple of cashiers because the line had because these clubs were taken. And then we got up to the cashier, I he was next to me, I was here, he started berating that person. And it was like, man, this has nothing to do with this situation right now. But that's patience, his inability to be with what was. Slow service. Oh well, shit happens. What's going on with him? What's his resistance? You know, it's so it's really worth an investigation when you're in that place of your shoulders around your ears and your jaw is clenched. Learn your triggers. Learn your signs. Learn what what your your um, what your body is telling you. What is what is your body telling you? Oh, when my jaw is clamped, I have to pay attention because that means I'm whatever. And, and how do you how do you uh, work with that? How do you let that go? So, truthfulness. Next one. Um, I'm on. I'm almost out of time, so I'll talk real fast. But duh, truthfulness. Don't lie. Don't be mean. Wise speech. Again, all part of the eightfold path. Wise speech. Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it the right time? Are you kind? And what's your intention? You can be at the right time and kind and necessary and say it gently, but if your intention is to be a nasty person, because that can happen too, and say what needs to be said. So, um, you know, and then determination, which is again, sticking with it, stay with it, even when it's difficult, even when every sit you've had for the last six months is painful. Right now it's like this. Right now it's like this. And you bring wisdom. Can you continue to ask yourself, what is happening right now? What is it? Because we all have these ebb, this, everything's an ebb and flow. There's always an ebb and flow. And so sometimes there's, it's smooth, and other times it's really challenging. Can you be with it regardless? Some people have a hard time when it's, when it's pleasant. And they'd rather have it unpleasant than even neutral. Neutral's like, ugh. But actually, neutral's okay. We just have to get used to it. So, And then the last two is um, loving kindness and equanimity. I spoke a little bit about equanimity, this balance, this, this awareness, this seeing clearly that shit happens. And we don't have to get knocked over by it. You know, if there's suffering, we're touched by it, we feel sadness, we feel grief, we feel whatever, but we're also... Um, can offer compassion, because that's what the appropriate response is to suffering, is compassion to others and ourselves. If other people are having, excuse me, a good time, can we be joyful for them? Yay! So happy for you and whatever your good story is. Your, your wholesome good story, not you're rich because you robbed a bank. I mean, that's not what we're talking about. It's about, oh no, you fell in love, you got a job, got a poem published or something, you know. 
we celebrate and, and experience their joy, which is which is also a great spiritual practice because we come from a place of lack. We come from a society that there's not enough to go around. So if you're so, if you're getting something good in your life, does that mean I'm not going to get something good in my life? So it's a real spiritual practice. So that's where this wisdom comes in to just be able to roll wisely and kindly, clearly with all of these things. So um, just start where you are. Start where you are. One of these, just pick one of these, um, you know, and, and see what, where you need to maybe spend some time. Patience or truthfulness or generosity, wisdom, really cultivating seeing clearly, seeing that things pass, seeing where you're clinging, seeing where you rehearse, seeing where you're just like, Ooh, not willing to pay attention, get your fingers in your ears and your hands over your eyes. Um, so really be willing to see where you suffer, letting go of blame. So those are my thoughts. Any, any questions or comments?